It is your classic metal show right here on the classic metal show.com. And that of course was destruction with a live version of the butcher strikes back that of course, from the brand new release born to thrash live in Germany and on the line right now to speak about that release and all that is going on in the world of destruction is the vocalist and the bassist. It is the legend, the mighty Schmier himself, Mr. Schmier. Schmier, how are you, man? Hey, Chris, I'm, I'm doing fine. How are you? I am great, man. It's like I said to you right before we started, it's always good when there's a new dose of destruction hitting my ears, man. It's all right. It, all right. It, it's one of the, you guys are one of those bands and I've been a fan pretty much since the beginning. It's one of those bands that I don't even have to look or, or hear a preview or anything. I know what it, I know what I'm going to get before I even pl- hear one note. I get myself ready and I get my face ripped off every single time. <laughs> yeah, good to hear that. You know, we're we're getting older and wiser, but we don't slow down. Right. No question. And you certainly haven't slowed down here. In fact, this is this live release is um it might be the fastest that you guys have ever have ever played. It's a it's a fantastic collection and um the one thing that does stand out about uh, Born to Thrash to me is that it, it is the your it's a a four piece instead of a three piece this time, and it really seems to have fleshed out the sound a lot. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the second guitar is such a great addition. You know that it was one of the reasons why uh, we did this live album. You know when Corona came, uh, we had this show recorded from this festival in Germany, and Corona came out and. We knew we wouldn't have shows for several months. So uh, we said, hey, if you can't play, let's at least show the fans out there how the band sounds like uh, in 2020 with two guitars again, you know. So so uh, I think it's a big improvement, of course. I mean, we loved to be a trio, you know, it was cult, uh, it was fun. But with two guitars, man, it's just much more ripping. You know, it's metalist made to play with two guitars. And and Damir, our new guy, is a great player, and he's a perfect addition to the band. Sure. Well, let's let's go backwards a little bit to um, Damir joining the, the band. What was it that was going on with you guys that that made you decide a to bring bring back in a second guitarist and b to you know bring Damir specifically into the band? I mean, we've been talking about the second player for a while. We've been, uh, you know, old Drake, uh, the lead player from the band Evile from the UK. Mm-hmm. He pl- he played several uh, lead guitars on on Destruction releases in the last ten years. Actually, we invited him a couple of times in the studio. Uh, we also talked about uh, him being our second guitar player. But yeah, you know, stuff in his life changed. He became a father. He kind of retired for a while from music, and and yeah, our you know, we, what was important for us is that we get somebody in the band that is like a, a friend. It's not somebody new, somebody that has to kind of, you know, work himself into the band, somebody that knows the band. And uh, Damir, he's, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's uh, the, the husband um, of, the, of the guitar player from Burning Witches. And I, I'm the manager of Burning Witches and the producer also. So we've been working together really close in the last years. And I know what kind of guy he is and that he's a great player. And uh, yeah, you know, it was important to get somebody in the band that is not just a great player. There's also a cool guy that fits into the band. You know, the chemistry is uh, as important 
as as the playing uh, and uh, you know that attitude is is the main thing. If you want to keep the band together, you got to have the right bunch of guys. Right. Sure. Now, when when he joined the band, you know, both both in the studio and and obviously in the live shows. Did did you find that you had even if it was just a show or two, some moments where things didn't feel familiar, where it felt a little uncomfortable as you kind of readjusted to, you know, everything from where people are standing to the actual sound of the music that was being played? Uh, not really. I think uh, I was a little afraid at the beginning that you know the routine that we have as a three piece on stage would go away. Because Mike, Mike and me, we really know each other. We know how to move and we, we know our ways, how to move with each other, you know, to not be in the way of each other. Right. So I, I was a little afraid at the beginning that the, the new member uh, would kind of, you know, stumble a bit in between us, you know. But actually, Damir, he's a, also a very experienced player. He's uh, playing since he's a little kid. So he has a lot of experience uh, and he kind of fitted in to the band right away. You know, it was very... A very natural process, uh, the, 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 how the stage acting worked at the beginning, right away, that we found a certain harmony. So it really never felt uncomfortable, you know. It felt right away like he's a part of the band. And, uh, yeah, that's something you have to achieve so quick. It's not so easy, I think. And, uh, you know, he kind of confirmed uh, our decision to, to get, get, get him into the band really quick, I think. Sure. And, and obviously the other change, I guess, was that you – promoted randy black to the full-time full-time drummer instead of being the temporary drummer now randy's a machine and i i don't think anybody will argue that that guy is a machine when it comes to playing for you as a bass player though how long did it take you to to find that that groove or that that you know that pocket for the two of you to work together on uh, i think that's you know when you when you when you used to work with a click track which we've been doing for many years, uh, a drummer like Randy is the perfect addition because he's always on the money. He's never like hanging behind the band. He's always pushing on, on the click, you know. So for me as a bass player, it was perfect, you know, because uh, he's, he's super reliable. And uh, even if you have uh, maybe a, a bad sounding stage one day, you know Randy is there, you know, even when you maybe don't hear the, the little details sometimes on stage because uh, the venue doesn't sound so good but you know he's so he's so reliable and so much of the money so he, he was always one of my favorite uh, metal drummers and i'm glad we have him in the band of course sure do you do you think that fans understand how how precise the bass player and the drummer have to be with each other because it really you know unless you've done it and i'm a i'm a failed drummer from way back i was not good at it which is why now i do interviews but <laughs> but, <laughs> but i certainly understand especially in the live setting how precise you have to be between the bass player and the drummer in order to make the music not sound sloppy and you know, I don't think people understand just how tight you have to be with the drummer. Do you? Yeah, I think most people maybe don't because not everybody is a musician. But people still feel uh, when a band is tight, you know, because uh, uh, to make a band tight, you know, it's like basically we always say in Germany, you know, when things, things start to move, you know, in the rehearsal room. Uh, when when the the beer bottles start falling off the fridge, you know, then it's then the band is tight, you know. Then it's when the bass drums and the bass uh, sixteen notes 
uh, are, are tiled, you know, and then everything starts to move. And I think the, the, the fans maybe don't understand exactly what comes together, but I think they feel it also, you know. I mean, uh, especially in thrash metal, uh, drummer and bassist uh, are a, a big foundation, a big ground uh, mm-hmm. power. That if it's not, if the drummer and the bass player suck in a thrash band, then the guitar players can be really great, but it's uh, it's mm-hmm. not it's not going to groove good, you know. So right. uh, it's it's a super important part. That's why destruction. Uh, we had several drummers because uh, it's a tough job, you know. Uh, not every drummer wants to play this kind of music forever because it's really exhausting. But we always, we always had uh, good drummers in the last twenty years uh, because the drummer is basically the backbone of the band. Absolutely. Now, now, Schmier, um, I, I as I said before, I love this release, this Born to Thrash. I, I love the sound of it. I think more than anything. I think I just love the actual recording of it. It just sounds so, so good. And it's a, it's a, it's one of those things, especially in the live setting that a lot of bands fail to capture that live dynamic feel, you know, who recorded this and mixed it for you? Because they really did a fantastic job with this. Yeah, we had, we had, uh, you know, two really good people involved in, in recording and mixing like uh, our former sound guy, um, Arnie, uh, he's he's having a recording studio at uh, how do you call it? A portable recording studio, okay. and he's at he's he's working at the festivals most likely, and he records bands at festivals. And he he was at this Partisan festival, and he, he recorded us, and he knows the band really well. So you know he delivered a really really good signals from the show, and uh, we mixed the album in Switzerland uh, with our. Um, producer that we use since uh, many years and our good friend uh, Vo uh, Pulver uh, mm-hmm. in, in the little Creek studio and uh, we, uh, we we said right from the beginning that we want to keep the album like rough and you know we don't want him to 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 polish the sound so much and uh, he did a great job we actually uh, because we did the album in the Corona uh, we couldn't even enter Switzerland at that time we, we had to stay in Germany because the country the borders were closed right. so, so basically we did all we did was uh, mixing the album uh, basically over the internet you know uh, like he, he sends us the files we write, we write him some lists back uh, what to change you know like a little, add a little more bass drum you know we need, mm-hmm. a little bit, we need a little bit more high end on the cymbals and stuff like this and then we've been phoning a couple of times back and forth, and uh, and uh, he basically mixed the album in his studio alone. And uh, yeah, the result is great because he knows us. He he's been doing our our last studio albums also, and uh, he's an old friend since the '80s. Uh, he he used to play. Uh, he still plays in a band called the Poltergeist. Okay. So they are also like veterans from the from the 80, '80s metal, you know. So uh, it's good if somebody knows you well and uh, understands the spirit. Of the band, also, you know, that's uh, I think the producer is is like a fifth band member. You know, uh, if he doesn't understand what the band is all about, then he's not going to make you sound the way you should sound. Right now, I I know, and certainly I love the way it sounds. It sounds like you do as well. But at the same time, did you kind of hate doing the the production work this way versus you know the normal way of getting in and listening and working you know hand in hand? Actually, we do it uh, since many years. Okay. Uh, like a little bit similar, like this. Basically, we go to the studio, we record the album, 
Mm-hmm. And, and then we, we do a first rough mix in the studio and then we go home and uh, then we let the producer and engineer work on, on the mix basically. And uh, this way, you know, he can focus on the mix and not everybody is there to, to uh, disturb him, you know, and we can be at home with fresh ears and, sure. li- and listen to the files he's sending us and, uh, you know, very important is the reference you have at home. Let's say your car stereo, your own stereo, your headphones you use at home, mm-hmm. and those those are the best reference. Uh, so it's it's actually fantastic when you're not in the studio to record to to mix the album because at home you have much fresher ears and you get a, f- a final result, a final mix. Then you listen to it, you make notes, you send them back, and he changes it. And we worked like this uh, since since many years, but of course this time. The live album we couldn't attend at all the studio. You know, usually I, I go I go by uh, sometimes during the mix and I say, "Hey, how's it going?" And stuff. You know, I think it's it's a good tip for any young band. You know, don't don't hang in the studio when the engineer is mixing the album because what happens is the drummer will say, "Oh, my drums are not loud enough. I need more bass drum." And then the guitarist will say, "Oh, the guitar is now not loud enough. Put the guitar louder." And then the singer will say, "I can't hear my vocals." And the mix and the mix will sound like shit at the end, you know. So, right. So that's something we learned pretty early uh, that uh, you know don't disturb the guy who, who mixes the album, and you can change everything in the pre-mixes, you know, and uh, just let him do his job. Right. Well, well, Schmier, um, one one job you've been doing forever, it seems like, is just creating great releases you guys still have the fire you still have a lot of great ideas and i'll be honest i thought born to perish was probably your best album that you've done pretty much since you came back i I mean i i was looking at the catalog and i was thinking born to perish is probably the best release from destruction since all hell breaks loose where where do you find not only the ideas but the the energy to keep coming back and to keep it so fresh for yourself, you know, as, cause obviously if you were playing, if you were playing music, you were bored with, it wouldn't have this fire and this intensity that you always bring to the music. Yeah. I think we, you know, the passion is there. We still love what we do. And we also, I always try to resume every album we do, you know, sometimes uh, not every album is a, uh, is 100% satisfaction after some some time, you know. When you record, it's always great, and it's like a it's like a baby, you know, every album. But in the end, uh, after a certain time, you you kind of reflect the album, and then uh, you learn from your mistakes. Also, at least I try to do that every time we do a new album. And uh, I think on the last couple of years, we've been kind of uh, you know getting better with the mm-hmm. like kind of reflecting the songwriting what can we do better and and stuff like this i think that's why um born to perish became the better album because uh, we kind of uh, wiped out some mistakes that we did in the last years uh, production wise and also uh, songwriting wise and uh, we came back a little bit more back to the roots a little bit more back to the basics and uh, also in the end you know you write the songs to to be played live and that's sometimes uh easy to forget when you're in the studio, when you write, you want to put a lot of ideas in, and then you kind of make, maybe make the songs a little bit too complicated, and then they don't function so good live anymore. And I think to find that that little fine line, you know, between enough technical ability and uh, kind of a 
like a distraction always had a straight in your face kind of attitude, you know, and that's, that's important. Do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever find yourself writing stuff that's too complex and then you figure out that you've got 10 songs that none are going to work? <laughs> no, we usually, uh, what we do is usually we record the, the songs pretty early as, as demos. And okay. then you, and then usually when when the when the song is a is a failure, you kind of find out quite easily uh, when you record it in the studio that the song is not functioning, you know. And and then we usually change it. Uh, but uh, it's we have a, since a couple of years we we've been doing that that we record demos uh, of of uh, of all the songs before we go in the studio to finally record the album. So that kind of prevents a little bit that some stuff is at the at the end of the day on the album that you might not like you know because when you have recorded something uh, the song becomes much more real you know when you play a song in the rehearsal room it's very difficult to to judge it you know because you play it at the same time you're kind of uh, you know you have emotions involved and stuff but when you record something and you have a little distance then you can really tell if it's shit or not right no definitely now now schmier i, I I've always thought that Destruction, at least in my eyes, is a live band first, a studio band second. I've all and, and I haven't really gotten to see the band that many times. In fact, I've seen you twice. But um, I, I've always thought that if you haven't seen Destruction, then you really haven't fully grasped it. Do you? Do you? As a band, do you act perform that way? Do you think of yourselves as a live band first, and then? You know the studio. The studio stuff is obviously important, but the but do you think of the live show as more important than say the studio recordings? Yeah, I think you know studio recording is fun, but uh, you know live life is the essence of of what we do. You know, uh, thrash metal is also all about energy and about delivering a, a certain vibe. And uh, that's why a lot of people came to us before and, and said, hey, uh, I've never been a big fan, but I saw you live and then I became a fan. And this music is something you understand much better when you see it live, when you catch the energy. And, uh, and that's, of course, uh, what you're basically saying, you know, is that uh, thrash and, and destruction is a life, is a life experience, you know. I mean, as much as I love doing albums, but nothing beats the moment when you're on stage. Sure. Do you, with the, with the pandemic, we're seeing a lot of bands doing a lot of strange things, whether it's playing in their house, you know, the, these house <laughs> concerts or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or drive-in movie theater shows. I know Doro did a drive-in movie. Oh, horrible. We, we, we got those, we got those offers too, but we don't do that shit. You know, it's, it, it doesn't pay tribute to what we do. You know, I think it's a nice try. You know, I understand people trying hard to, go through the pandemic uh, without being bored or broke, you know, but at the end, you know, the most, the most important thing at the live show is the crowd. And when you have, when you play in front of cars, uh, there's no atmosphere, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not functioning. It's I compare it to the football games in Germany, the soccer games, you know, they are, they are now those, we call them ghost games, you know, they're games in, in front sure. of no people. And uh, I'm a huge uh, soccer football fan. I know we call it football in Germany, but sure. uh, yeah, it's you call it soccer. But I'm a huge fan. But uh, I have to say, the games are fucking boring, you know, right. uh, because it's missing the the crowd, you know. And it's the same with live music. When there's no crowd, uh, it's it's not functioning. And 
I understand people are doing this, but it's not an option for destruction. Uh, um, we said that right away. We said, you know, let's see how long this pandemic goes. But at the moment, uh, those streaming shows and, and home concerts and shit are not an option for us to do because uh, we want to have real shows again. And that's what we're working on. And that's why we also have our first live show in two weeks already in Switzerland. Um, yeah, because we're trying to bring back the live business. Absolutely. Although I got to say, it'd be a hell of a mosh pit at a drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only one turn, only one turn and then it's over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're definitely getting, getting ready to get out there and play. Um, is it, has it been difficult to get to find venues to play now or, or. Yeah, of course it, it depends on the countries, you know, uh, some countries are ahead. Like Switzerland, Switzerland has almost no COVID and uh, they have recovered really fast and uh, they are ahead of, the, of, of most of countries in Europe. So they were already doing since two weeks, they're doing small shows. Shows are restricted, you know, and uh, there has to be a special a significant security uh, um, concept for it. But uh, they are doing uh, shows until 300 people. And uh, when this goes well, hopefully in the next weeks, they want to step up to 500 people and uh, yeah, then it's going to be possible to do more and more shows. I think the same uh, stuff is happening in Germany, Germany in August, Germany will start to allow concerts to 500 people, you know, okay. it's of course, it's not the, it's not the, the biggest step uh, into, the, into normal life again, but uh, because for all the bigger bands, they can't play basically, you know, sure. but, but for, for us, uh, it's a great new start, you know. Um, I think with 500 people, the venues, uh, that's something we can totally uh, live with, you know. And uh, it's important that the first steps are made and we, we learn how to bring this back, you know. Uh, I, I know the big festivals and the big venue shows, it will take time to come back, I guess. Well, with these shows, and I really have no idea, Will will they make people sit in chairs, or will there be just an open pit? Will they be allowed to mosh? What what will happen? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, you know, the, the concept is that uh, the venues max have maximum uh, capacity of forty percent of the people mm -hmm. they normally. So uh, the place we play in Switzerland is a is a real big venue that holds normally like about twelve hundred people. And uh, for our show, they only let in 300, you know, so, th so there's enough space uh, for everybody um, to be safe, you know, and I, I don't know what's going to happen if there's a mosh pit and stuff. We, have, we will have to see, you know, but uh, at the end, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a new experience, you know, but um, the, uh, there's, of course, uh, there's a secu security concept that uh, has, to, has, has to be confirmed by the government from every club. So uh, I think it's tough for the small clubs, you know, because when you have like a small venue with 300 people, uh, that means you can maybe only let like 80, 80 90 people in, into, into, the, into the place, you know. So that's going to be tough to do shows because with 80, 90 people, it's almost impossible to finance a concert, right. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going it's to be a new world, I guess. I guess that's, that's what we're yeah. in. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of new things, and uh, we have to adapt and see. But uh, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it, uh, we're going to find a way to go through this. 
I'm with you. Well, Schmier, uh, the new release, once again, for people that are not at the show, that are not one of those 300, they can catch you with Born to Thrash, live in Germany. It is the latest from Destruction. And Schmier, why don't you go ahead and pick a song from Born to Thrash to uh, wrap this interview up with? Maybe tell us a quick story about it. Yeah, I think uh, my favorite song to play live has uh, always been, and it's still uh, Curse the Gods, because I think the the song and its message is such a typical destruction thrasher with the roller coaster in speed and, uh, you know, uh, also the vocals and the high-pitched screams. I think uh, Curse the Gods is one of the ultimate destruction songs will always be, and after all those years, I still love to play it live. Awesome. Well, let's check it out right now. It's Curse the Gods. It is Destruction right here on your classic metal show. <laughs> 